Australian Broadcast Radio, a centenary celebration. Hello everyone, today is November 9th and we mark our 9th of 23 interviews today with our special guest, David Greenwood. David Greenwood is the general manager at the Kicks Country Music Network. David has shared a passion for community and radio for many decades and strives for inclusivity and quality in everything he's managed over the years. Today, I sit with David and hear what he has to say about radio's history and his own. Here's what he had to say. So, I'm here with David Greenwood, current manager or general manager of the Kicks Network. Thank you for speaking with me, David. Pleasure. Excellent. Um, now, I wanted to mention Kicks the Kicks Network right off the bat. So it's your latest and greatest venture and it operates out of Bundaberg currently and that's its sort of main area. Now, not to shatter the illusion of radio, but we're not in Bundaberg currently. Um, we're in southeast Queensland. Do you find that managing a station like that from afar provides any challenges or difficulties that you didn't expect? No, not really. I, th- I think if you, just to explain, all our programs emanate out of Bundaberg. Right. And we have... 58 stations across Australia. So the one program goes out to 58 stations. Sure. Various FMers, DAB, mm-hmm. and a couple of AMers. Okay. With the modern communications with with phone and uh, and the various uh, group uh, Zoom meetings you can have with people. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I I think I'm very lucky in that I only have three other people that I'm responsible for. Right. Which is quite rare. It's all a bit of a trickle down. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you've only got three people to talk to, mm. it's not that difficult. And you've got to have trust in your people, and I certainly do. Mm. And I've got great people. Do you think it would have been possible back in the day, running a, like running a station like that from a distance? Oh, no, you couldn't do it. Mm. You couldn't do it. Uh, the industry's changed. We've become... It's more of an audio industry rather than just radio. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think you'll find that if you read a lot of trade magazines, it's all about audio. It's not about radio. It's it's how we deliver a product. Kicks mm. is unique. Uh, I started with Kicks in 2015, mm. and at that time we only had seven stations. It was Kicks Hot Country, mm-hmm. and through ownership changes and whatever. We inherited another group of narrowcast licenses throughout New South Wales and Victoria. Sure. And we rebranded them to Kicks and we acquired stations. We bought and got on DAB. So over that period from 2015 to now, eight years, we've seen a grade of 58 stations. Wow. That's quite a growth in only, what, like eight years? But the genre has grown. There was a very niche market right back in 2015. And if you'd mentioned country music to people, they'd say, oh, country, yes. Western. And going back well before your time, country and Western music was regarded as Australian twang, a guy sitting on a hotel uh, veranda plucking his guitar and singing songs about dust and dirt and country pubs and <laughs> slim dusting. That's all right. Um, those sort of iconic Australian country and Western singers, there were American ones as well, but there wasn't enough interest uh, in commercial radio prior to recent years to warrant a full 24-hour service. There was a, there was a niche market there. And 
you know, I won't give you percentages no. factually, but a very small percentage of people wanted to listen to country and western 24-7. The way commercial radio prior to that looked after it, and they recognised there was some need, they would run a country music hour on mainstream stations, not all, but some, yep. in regional areas mostly, uh, majority. Um, they'd play the country music hour between four and five in the morning before the breakfast show started, and then they'd go into contemporary music. Very accessible, isn't it? Well, that was the, that was how it all started. Mm. But when I say the music has evolved, country music has changed dramatically. Where today, as we sit here, it is more rock. Uh, in fact, some of the roots in country music. Uh, louder, more raucous than what you'd hear on contemporary music stations playing rock. Um, and the music has grown, if you look at it in that, in that light, it's grown to a point where people are listening to it and loving it, but they don't put a tag to it. They might listen to, say, Keith Urban, and they say, oh, I love Keith Urban. But they don't say, I love country music. Yeah, it's not See, always synonymous. It, it, it has really changed. And for that, Hicks has grown now. It would be fair to say that in most markets, and we don't do surveys like commercial radio, uh, we, we do enough research to know that we've got a, a growing audience. And we know that we've got between 330 and 450,000 people listening to us every week yeah, right. across Australia. So that's a sizable audience. It is. The thing, the thing about those audiences and those communities that you, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was I wanted to address that. You've been you've said in the past in certain online profiles that you know certain communities might not be being, being reached very effectively by current radio formats, you know, such as country music communities and whatnot. And you've spoken about them quite favourably, obviously. Having seen how it can be difficult to reach all of those communities, do you think you'd change anything about the current formats, or do you think there's like something from the past that we could use nowadays to try and sort of reinvigorate these communities? Or well, do I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can ever not look at the past and say what's worked and what hasn't. But sure. you... The world is changing so quickly. Hmm. You've got to deliver it in a style that uh, is today. It's pretty instantaneous. Um, you can't take a country music format and even relate it to a, let's say, our country music format. You can't relate that to what commercial radio is doing. Commercial radio in regional areas has had great difficulty in communicating with their local audience, mainly because in recent years the big companies, the big operators, have tried to get a business model that provides the service. And we're talking numbers of people. We're talking programming to reach the masses at the cheapest possible price. And that cost has affected, for instance, they network a breakfast program. Some do. Right. Now that means that, let's say a group of 20 stations will all be serviced by one guy sitting in another market. Yeah. And how can he relate to the local marketplace? Well, exactly. I, I feel and like that, that does happen. It's not music. It's being able to say, good morning, Stuart. 
I know you're out there working hard, here's some music to help you, you know, that's this big cornball, but yes. the reality is, it's a sense of belonging within your community. Mm. And when you get some of those isolated communities where, let's say, a Grafton or an Inverell or an Armadale, they want to feel that their radio station is part of their community. They don't want someone to be talking from Sydney, Melbourne, wherever. There are exceptions to the rule. The John Laws is of this world and the Ray Hadleys of this world, but they still miss, even though they try to put in that local community touch. And it'll be an ongoing thing for radio. And we'll get worse. Do you think so? Mm, I do. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting you mentioned those communities. Now, nowhere near as remote as what you've mentioned. You and I have some experience in a sort of common area. I grew up in Boona, actually. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if I ever told you that near mm-hmm. Ipswich, because you obviously managed um, River 949 for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, for 11 years. Yes, indeed. Do you think, one thing I wanted to ask as well, because I keep hearing this from a lot of people, do you think it's worth staying in an area you know to do any sort of radio work or is it worth sort of travelling and going to places that you don't know because the thing I hear consistently is you've got to travel you've got to you know go off to you know far and strange lands to sort of learn you know how to be in a community how to present to sort of communities and then you sort of come back if you want to is it sort of better to be a homebody or try and sort of work around in those you know communities like you obviously address those communities in your stations but obviously is it better to like you said have that sense of community and be there well it depends on what level you're talking about mm. um there's an economy of scale if you're ambitious you've got a passion to be great and those people are hard to find and with the rigid formats it's very hard to work within a format and be discovered so let's look at it a couple of ways here. Yep. If you have that passion and you're working in, say, Ipswich, catering for the Boona people, yes. and you're great, you have the opportunity to move up to a bigger market. And with going into a bigger market, you get better money. If you just want to be a plotter and you want to be a big fish in a small pond, you could sit there for years probably. I wouldn't say that in Ipswich because Ipswich is becoming more and more metropolitan. But mm. if, if you look at a, let's say, Young or uh, Griffith or, you know, I mean, it, it's wrong to give examples of towns and, and I don't know them intimately. But announcers move all the time within the big organisations because there's a vacancy somewhere. And if you're good, the program director in charge of the whole outfit thinks you're good, you get that opportunity. And with that comes the opportunity to to earn bigger dollars because you're bringing in the ratings and you're bringing in the revenue. If you're a salesperson and you've been brought up in a town and you know every man and his dog in that town and you're selling plenty of airtime and you're getting commissions, Mm. you might be happy to because the quality of lifestyle out there is exactly what suits your family or your individual needs. You could probably earn reasonable money being a great salesperson for a radio station. But with all the things that I talked about with economy of scale and cutting back localism, there are many stations now who have announcers getting off air, like say breakfast at nine o'clock, and going out and being a salesman for the rest of the day. Yeah, right. For them to make a little bit of extra money, mm. uh, and they may not be wired that way. Salespeople are different to personalities. Technical people, 
the old days of having one engineer at a radio station's gone because it's all plug in, plug out, all digital, yeah. different world all again. It's interesting to hear you say that. And actually, it's funny you mentioned passion, actually, about, you know, where you are in your community, because there was actually a quote you said, because um, you spoke at Phoenix Radio's very own 10th anniversary in 2018, and you were a speaker there, and you said, think laterally and show your passion. Um, I love that quote, by the way. I've, I definitely try to think about that when I do my own assessments like this. Would you change anything about that? No, you think that's You think that's sort of a permanent sort of... You think that would last for a whole man's career? Well, I'm pretty rare <laughs> to be still working at my age. Uh, it's becoming more modern, I think. There are very few, there are very, very few over the age of 60. In fact, there'd be very few over 50. It's a young man's game. Okay. Unless you get into becoming a sports specialist or a news specialist. But an actual announcer playing songs, sending out cheerio calls, doing local weather. See, your demands as a, a young fellow change because once you get a family and kids, announcers generally don't get well paid. Really? Darn. There would be. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm disillusioned. <laughs> That's all but, right. But there are a handful, probably a few dozen, sure. in this country who are part of Breakfast Team. They have really, by contract, a year, tenure, maybe two or three, but it's dependent on ratings. They get pretty well paid, and they get some of the, the spoils. But the average general announcer that you hear on the couple of hundred radio stations around the country, they're not well paid generally. I mean, it, it's it's odd to hear you say that, though, because you hear such passion and such, you know, work goes into this. Because I've been in a few radio stations now. There is such passion and work that goes into, you know, presenting this content sure. locally. And it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. It doesn't seem very commensurate, does it? Sure. Well, people who are producing, people who are in promotions, there's a lot of excitement because they're doing promotions outside, they're meeting people. Mm. And it gives them a good ground for getting into a PR company, getting into a promotions company, going to work for a promoter, maybe as an as a eventual marketing uh, expert within an advertising agency. I mean, it's, it's a great ground, but as a total career, to say, I'm in this for the rest of my life, very few. Right. And I'm one of the very lucky ones. In fact, extraordinarily I wish I could be so lucky. Fingers crossed, I suppose. Well, you're going to go up a few dry gullies to get there. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think the last thing I want to ask is the sort of through question I've been asking everyone. Based on your, your own history in radio, do you think there's anything you could use to look forward and maybe foresee the future of radio? I think radio as we near it, uh, no. Mm. Is this a period? Really? Delivery. I'm talking about. Right, okay. The phone yes. is the, uh, what we used to have as a transistor. And the phone will become the radio for everybody. Plus your devices in cars, in your boxes, whatever else. Yes. Um, radio stations today, the progressive ones, the progressive networks, and the ABC. You'll notice going more into blogs, uh, alternate ways of delivering messages, news streaming, excuse me, live. There's a huge move within the industry to look for new ways of delivering audio. 
delivering numbers. It's it's all about delivering ears. Yeah, right. Because the more ears you've got listening to a certain program, the more you can quantify what you're delivering, and therefore you're able to present that to an advertiser to get their advertising revenue. We're living in a a different world where everything's got to be quantified. It's not taking a punt because they like Stuart Croton on there and they're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars with you. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. In the old days it did, to a degree. But everything is checked, double checked, triple checked, even researched before they do it. And I think the way audio is going, uh, this is only my own view, I think satellite delivery will come to Australia where we'll get a very clear signal. Our problem now with phone devices is your Telstra towers have so many dropouts or all your phone towers mm. and people get frustrated by that. You know, that's one of my real problems with kicks. Uh, we have about 30,000 people listening to us on iHeart and our people listen to us longer than they do with commercial radio. But the problem is that they'll be driving along in a country road and all of a sudden the phone drops out yeah. and they've got to wait for it to come back. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's very unreliable. It's the same with, with phone calls. People get frustrated. Until they fix that, it's always going to be as patchy as what we've got. Um, and I think satellite would give us very much what they've got in America, a clear signal right across the states, irrespective of the topography and everything else. Sure. And I think that's coming. Well, we can only I've hope. got nothing to base that on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just watching the way technology is going. We can remain hopeful. I mean, we're making advances every day, so yep. hopefully we could, and we feel like the show would greatly benefit. Well, thank you, David. That's all I've got to ask. I really appreciate you talking to me. Thank you so much. Pleasure. It's all right. Now, there's one more thing you've got to put in there. Yeah. I should have... AI has come up. I keep hearing that. Yeah, a lot of people have said and that so far. I would have said six months, eight months ago, it was 10 years down to five years, it's here. It's already been tested by the big boys. And it's amazing. I've, you can put into a computer the name of the client, what they do, phone number, address, catchy comment, whether you want a 15 second commercial, 30 seconds, that's 80 words, a minute, two minutes, whatever. How do you want the commercial written? Do you want it humorous? Do you want it sad? Do you want it conversational? All that sort of stuff. You push a button and within seconds you get the best piece of copy you've ever seen. Then you push another button. What voice do you want? Yes. <laughs> and we've got automated voices that might put some. You can't pick you can't pick it's a computer. I mean it's tough. So being realistic, why wouldn't big companies who really forget about the relatability of talking about the weather in a local market or sending a call to Stuart? Why wouldn't they save 80000 a year or whatever the going price is yes. and put in an automated program? Well, exactly right. I and the other, the other thing that I, I can see is that we are at the end of an era, including yourself. These young kids who are into TikTok, yes. their whole world doesn't involve radio. They're not growing up with radio. You grew up, I grew up with radio being the centre point of the house. That, I think, was, yeah. that was the family's life. 
the connection with the outside world. Today, the connection is all these other things, the streaming, the Facebook, like we, we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, it'll all be determined by that. So if you take it back to a radio station, if you're trying to get bigger profits out of an organisation, it's got to be a move. And when you get back to local marketplaces, the only real radio job, and this will go for any job, is salespeople. Yeah, right. Because you can't put AI into a, a salesman's brain. Oh, Unless you send machines out or computers out to, to sell, but that won't happen. No. That's where I see a lot of security. But with going forward, we talked audio before, the development of audio with AI, you know, I can't even guess where it's going, but I know it's happening. It's, it's imminent, definitely. Yeah, Lepilla Station in New York now, all on AI, it's being tested. Really? Mm. Gosh, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, Google. It uh, came on stream about two months ago. Okay. Now, that would get down then to how clever you are in, in programming a computer. Not very. <laughs> what words you can do a computer to get the best out of it. Mm. And I look at it with kicks, going right back to kicks before we finish this. Yeah. I envisage that whilst at the moment I've got two live announcers who know the artists intimately and they talk about that and it's terrific. I can see the day when we say, okay, well, we've got, within an hour, we've got four personality breaks where you talk about country music. Yep. And let's say it's Keith Urban's birthday coming up. You push two minutes and you say, I want a friendly discussion about Keith Urban and how he grew up in Caboolture, Australia. There it is. It's presented for you. They just take it straight out of the computer, all this stuff, mm. and the announcer doesn't have to do it. Kind of makes it scary for announcers, doesn't it? It's, it's just not the radio industry. I think it's a bit scary for everybody. I think so. But I, I wasn't here to ski. No, that's all You're right. You're asking about... I started, you talked about earlier, before we started this uh, tape. Mm. Um, when I started in radio, I was 14. I was the office boy. And the announcers wore dinner suits to work. And commercials were played on 78 RPM, and they were cut in a soundproof room. And that's how they played commercials, or live rhythm. And then from there we went to cassettes, then to CDs. And we've seen, you know, that's in a few short years. But I've been in it 60 odd years, so... I suppose you expect some change. You'd hope so. Anyways, I, I think I'll wrap it up there. If yes, I may, mate. But I yep. appreciate you. That's thank, cool. thank you so much, David. Not a worry, I really appreciate that. I want to thank David for talking to me today and being a part of Radio History. Tomorrow, we continue our journey and learn the history of Australian broadcast radio. Until then, my name is Stuart Crichton. Thank you all for listening.